Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning. Welcome to Quiet Screams. I am your host, Alex Vincent, and today, this podcast is about the uncanny valley and horror movies. Now, going to preface this conversation, or I guess one-man dictation, by letting you know that I have no like. I have no I have no relationship with modern texts on how horror and fear works. I since I left college, I have no reason to read these. I live a normal life, I work, whatever, and often that leaves no room for vaguely dense texts on theoretical relationships between our emotions and art. Now, mostly this is because, not not because it's not interesting to me anymore, but more because it takes an enormous amount of time to properly read, analyze, and break down these texts. This isn't as simple as skimming through The Hunger Games in an hour, which I did. It's a bad, bad, bad book. Horrible. Anyway, I digress. But... I want you to keep this in mind when we have this conversation, because most of these ideas, most of these more conversational casts where I discuss a single topic or when we delve deeper into something that I find interesting, I'm not using anything that I'm aware of. Uh, when I do use something that I'm aware of, I'm going to cite it so that you can go and read it, or you can go and find it, or you can form your own opinions, because that is what is most important in all of this, is that we engage with art, with theory, and with science in a way that is consumable and digestible and regurgitatable, right? We want to be able to vomit this shit all over someone, if we wanted to. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Why else would you, would you seek knowledge, in my opinion? So, with that being said, if you know more than I do on this particular subject, well, I'm not in a place right now to request you to email me or something, but just keep it in your head, and maybe later on down the line, we can have a more meaningful conversation about it. Because, again, conversation is what's important here, Keeping our intellectual curiosity stimulated while also being entertained is of the utmost importance to me. And it is also one of the things that I think keeps many of us going who really enjoy horror movies, even though we may not know it. Because if you enjoy horror movies, that means you enjoy a lot of them. And the multitude of genres is within the horror genre is mind-boggling. I mean, you think of the most popular horror movies, and the only thing they have in common with one another is that they make a certain group of the population scared. Without that fear, there would be nothing to link them together, besides maybe the definition of pulp that is contained within the horror genre. And that definition of pulp is sometimes well-learned, but other times really ignores the nuance behind these films, behind this art. Someone had a reason for making these things the way they did. Someone had a reason for doing what they did. And, and that, at the end of the day, is something I think we need to engage with. So anyway, I would like to present to you today something I've just thought of. And I knew, but I 
just thought of it and I just made the recent association. I was driving down the road in my truck with my dog in the back and I said, holy shit, that's why things are scary on some level. And this has a relation to do with the podcast that I'm going to be releasing in the future. I recorded it this weekend with a friend and he and I talked about the movie Halloween, the newest one, 2018. Not the original 1978 version, which is I'm going to rewatch soon. Um, it's on my list right now. It's on Shutter on Amazon Prime, so that's a boon to you and me and everyone else who are crazy like you and I. But it's funny how these things come along, and it made me really want to discuss it. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you, or perhaps remind you, of the concept of the uncanny. Now, if you aren't familiar with this concept, do a quick Google search. It's going to lead you to the Wikipedia page, as always. And as always, just click on the fucking Wikipedia page. Now, there are some minor wars that happen in Wikipedia over editing and grammar and facts and alternative facts and whatnot. That's largely something we can ignore, because unlike our college professors told us, or, well, you know, they just said, hey, use the sources in the bottom of the Wikipedia page and be able to quote the actual passage, or your high school teachers, more likely, um, you know, Wikipedia is not a good source or whatever. It, fuck them. It works for most people and it works for me. So go ahead and click on that. And you'll notice that the uncanny is a concept pioneered by a man named Ernst Jenks in 1906. Now, it was a quick essay. And then a man you may know or may have heard of, Sigmund Freud proliferated it later, um, just about a decade later. And with this, with this concept, especially when we're talking about Sigmund Freud, who is mainly concerned about our dreams, how it affects our psyche, how it affects our psyche, especially pertaining to something as crazy as the Oedipus complex, sometimes... We should ignore theoretical science, forgive me for using that word in this particular con uh, context, or theoretical anything, if it means it doesn't really apply that much to our normal life. And I am on the camp that Sigmund Freud has negatively affected in our society in that we now believe that our unconscious motivates us in certain ways. Now, largely, I think it's true, but when it comes to our dreams and the unconscious bubbling up to the surface, with these small bubbles of intention or thought or motivation in our dreams, I think that's largely bullshit. Um, and that's mostly because I have insane dreams, but we'll circle back to that later. And this Sigmund Freud represents some of the theory that I think we should dabble lightly along our normal lives, along other art, because his beliefs are so strong and so integral to our current society that we need to divest ourselves. We need to take a step back and really look at how this is affecting us and how we interpret something. And this interpretation can be flawed and dissected in a way that is negative because of Sigmund Freud. But the Uncanny Valley is useful. 
And he generated or used this idea in the context of dreams, for lack of a better word. And what this concept does is the closer to reality you get without actually touching reality, the more discomforted by something you are. It makes you uncomfortable, right? It makes you not want to see it or look at it. It brings feelings of disgust and revulsion and hate in some cases because it's not quite reality. It hasn't taken that final step towards being real, towards being you or your friends or your dog or your bed or your can or your water bottle next to your bed. It's not quite there, but it should be it, you feel. You really think it should be it, but it's not. So what this does is because it is so close to our reality, again, you just, you're revolted by it. You don't want to look at it. You can look at movies like Beowulf, the, the new one, generated by CGI. That movie is watchable, and it's not really a bad movie. It's got good actors in it. It's got good voice acting. It's got really the whole shebang to a good animated feature. But there's something within that makes us not really want to watch it. And that's because the motion capture used in that movie and then the resulting computer graphics used to generate the final product is so uncomfortable. We don't want to see it. This is part of the reason that I believe we'll never see true graphic video games, right? Because as close as we can get is great, but it still needs to be a little cartoony. It still needs to be separate from what we know as real. Without that separateness, we can't, we don't, it makes, it makes us not want to do it. It makes us not want to play it. And that is why... Sometimes horror can scare us. And this gives us a lens into why horror scares us. And this applies in the weirdest ways, too, because now we have to make the logical jump from things that are close to looking like reality, right, making us disgusted or revolted, to something that makes us scared or horrified. Now, that is a large jump in emotion. That is a large jump in logic. And that is a large jump in our brain chemistry. Because they're different things. They're totally separate. They should have no relation, although for some people they do. So let's dig a little deeper into this. Let's take some, I'm not, I'm not going to use direct analysis at first, but we're just going to take some broad sub-genres of horror, right? So let's look at as seen in Halloween, the faceless, unstoppable killer. So the faceless killer is effective, not because that they kill people, although that is horrifying to some people. At the end of the day, we're largely desensitized to this. We can watch John Wick and be excited by what we see, even though John Wick is performing some of the most disgusting acts of violence a man could possibly conceivably commit when we watch superman do shit that we can't do but yet create great violence on something we're not we're not scared by that we're almost titillated excited to see it instead what horror does with violence is creates true revulsion and horror behind that revulsion 
So Michael Myers, as the faceless killer, is scary to us, not only because he's unstoppable, but because he looks like a human. Let that sink in. Michael Myers should have the muscle mass, the build of a human, the motivations of a human, the brain of a human, the chemicals inside of a human. Yet somehow during this entire time that we watch this movie, he doesn't seem to exhibit any of this. He doesn't exhibit emotion. He doesn't exhibit speech, right? Instead, all he does is kill people really gnarly in a really disgusting way. And that way it kind of makes you go, oh shit, or goddamn, right? It's a feeling unique amongst violence to actually be horrified by the violence if you look at our current movie landscape. And this is because he is in the shape of, again, like I said, he's in the shape of a human. He looks like a human, but he's not. None of, nothing, nothing about him. He looks like a human. He looks like a human. He walks like a human. He breathes like a human, but... The acts he commits are nothing that we would associate with humanity. And it is this small, tiny little gap between what we see, what we understand, and what we consume that actually makes us horrified of this movie, of this person. Um, and that is the Uncanny Valley in a nutshell. Now, Little Girls, another genre, right? Little girls are scary. Not little girls, but little girls are scary. You know, sometimes in possession, sometimes in weird, inscrutable ways of, you know, mimicry or whatever. But little girls are scary as a genre is effective. It's one of my most watched and also least anticipated genres. Not because I don't want to watch them. Obviously, I do. I'm making a podcast about horror movies, but because they legitimately scare me. I mean, they're, they're, they're horrifying. There's something about that that is just deeply unsettling for me. But the little girls are scary. It's because it takes something that we largely as a Western society put on a pedestal in innocence and, you know, the pristine representation of humanity in little girls and then totally totally inverts it on its head it makes them the most evil disgusting things that we could possibly see which against all of our motivations wants and knowledge of our lives really contradicts it contradicts one another you can't you can't have a fear of the little girls our scary subgenre without a revulsion and you don't know why i mean obviously so now we're on examples again the exorcist easiest example ever I mean, we have this perfectly innocent 12 year old girl who turns into maybe the literal embodiment of satan and it's it's so scary i mean when you hear that 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 little girl say like fuck me fuck me whatever you know she says which is so fucked up um you know, for most of us, and anyone who's not, and you're instead, like, actually titillated about it, well, go jump off a bridge or something. Um, no. Seek serious psychological help immediately, because you need help. Anyway, it that, that quick inversion is effective not because there's something, in my opinion, behind the child, something of pure evil, which is the only way this child could possibly 
do these things that are corrupting and hate-inducing. But because it represents something that we should recognize in a day-to-day -day occurrence. And then it totally brings that on its head. It totally misrepresents something that we should see in every day. That is the uncanny. Now, I'm going to talk about a genre which I don't believe is true horror. Um, and that's mostly because of personal preference and because of the sheer derision I have for the laziness of the genre. Granted, Saw was a, you know, effective movie. Hostel was an effective movie, for lack of a better word. Um, but the torture porn genre, that is effective to people who watch it and can stand it. Um, in creating horror and whatever else it creates for them, because I'm not among these people... Because you've hum you've 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 people committing acts of unspeakable horror to other people, and you know those are prosthetics that they're using, right? And you know that it's fake, but it makes you terrified because the people you see in everyday life, you can't help but imagine committing these, and it is so unrecognizable yet so picture perfect accurate that it creates horror. This is the Uncanny Valley. Zombies, as have been laying down, they are so similar to humanity. In fact, they were us. We were zombies until we took a bite to the ankle because we couldn't double tap something and fell to the ground. We died of whatever is in a zombie virus, and we came back up. Except we're immediately rotted and spitting black goo or something, whatever the fuck the, the, the virus does. Now, this is effective for many people, because that should be us. We, we, we can see ourselves in the zombies. That makes it real to us. Yet there is something just a, just tick off. We went from 10 and we went to nine and a half. And that nine and a half, that half point we lost made them evil and eat people and do things horribly concerning to and disconcerting to most people. That is the uncanny valley. You are so close to reality with many of these things. And it just and it just tilts it in a way that makes you scared of it. Makes you horrified of it. And when you look at it that way, when you can rationalize it, I think for most people that should maybe make you disregard it. Which maybe should create some buy-in to these movies where you just like being scared sometimes. Even if it creates some bad dreams or whatever. Now... Again, vampires follow much the same rules as zombies do. I mean, in fact, we, we, we use blood-sucking now as a term for some people. Uh, it, all of these follow the same logic. It happens over and over and over and over again. We are scared of these things because they represent a vestige of what we should see in real life. Without that vestige, I don't think you have something to be scared of. Why would you? I mean, even supernatural movies. Something's wrong with the house movies. The thing that's haunting it almost always takes a human shape. And when it doesn't, we're not really that fucking scared of it. We just aren't. There's nothing to be scared of. I mean, you know, killer, 
killer chipmunks, you could find a way to be scared of those because we see fucking chipmunks every day or squirrels or cats, pet cemetery, right? If as long as you take something that is relatively everyday use and you effectively turn it on its head, invert it, right? You can create something that's scary. I mean, there are some objects that are ridiculous and you can't. You know, whatever, tires, killer tires comes to mind. Or, or even better, there are some creatures that are just terrifying as they are. Sharks, right? Crocodiles. Things that can eat humans. That is on our logic. We can, we can, we can fathom these things eating humans, right? The only difference is, is we know what these look like. We know what they can do. How many of us have actually seen it eat a human? I would be willing to bet zero people who've listened to this have seen one of these carnivorous creatures actually eat a human. So that means all of your study on Discovery Channel and Animal Planet has gone out the window. Because you've never fucking seen it eat a human. So the idea that it could actually eat a human is unfamiliar to you, even though the premise is familiar. Cognitive dissonance is something that comes into play here. And that's part of how horror functions. Now, most horror movies verge on the edge of supernatural. They use they lean on the supernatural to frighten us, to scare us, to make us not want to look at the movie. And many of these movies are effective. Anything that leans on the supernatural, you've probably got something to be scared of. Because even low-budget movies can use the supernatural effectively. Why is that? Because the supernatural is always there. It can always affect the physical world, even if it doesn't manifest itself visibly or psychologically. So, as an example, Paranormal Activity. What a boring movie in retrospect right? It's not really rewatchable because once you know the gimmick, it's not scary, really. But the first time I watched Paranormal Activity with some friends in a dark room, just watching shit move, knowing that you're supposed to be scared, knowing that you're supposed to be looking for something, that was scary. That created fear in me. That I don't know what happened, but I knew I wanted to watch, but I also knew it would be horrifying. And at the end of the day, they, they didn't have to do much to elicit that in us. Why? 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 Well, because everything about that movie was familiar. The house, the bedroom, right? These were all things we've all seen in our lives for the most part. And we know what it looks like. Even if you haven't seen a house that even vaguely is familiar to you in that, retro, in that, uh, in, in that aspect, it still is something you can imagine and build in your head. It's something you can envision. But just the fuckery, the fuckiness that happened in that movie was enough to make us scared. And I say us because Paranormal Activity spawned like 28 fucking films after. That were all awful. They were all bad. They were terrible. I've watched every single one of them. I loved every second of it, but they were horrible. I didn't. I no longer want to watch them. But I probably, I, I, I probably will again. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Maybe I have an addiction problem. I don't know. But. That just illustrates my point on how the supernatural 
is so effective and why. So, in fact, we can look at supernatural as a word, and we're going to do this a lot. And I maybe I'll discuss later why I break down words so much and how I do it. Or why I do it is probably the best way to go about it. But super is a prefix that means above or basically better than, right? So Superman, well, he's better than man, right? Um, super soaker, it's a better soaker, I don't know. Um, but it's an easy concept to get because it's generally above or beyond the reproach of whatever it is modifying because it is so much better than. So the supernatural is then above the reach of the natural. And the su so the supernatural can have effect on the natural without the natural having a reciprocating effect on the supernatural. So if super modifies natural, that means that it has to resem resemble the natural. Even if the natural can't touch the supernatural. So if it modifies the natural, which is something we're used to seeing and used to feeling and used to hearing, but we can't really touch it, doesn't that sound kind of like the Uncanny Valley? It's something we're familiar with, but it's just a little touch off. It's just a touch off where we can't really, we can't really digest what's going on there because it's so close. I mean, if you look at horror movies that use the supernatural, they obey the laws of physics for the most part. I mean, they're an outside force that can throw shit around. Um, they usually look like us or find some sort of, you know, form that is similar to us. And yet, it's so different. It's so scary. You look at... Uh, Let's go with a more, re like, you know, color, the color out of space. Nicolas Cage, fantastic performance. I can't wait to do this movie on the podcast. Something that is just outside of Earth, something that is actually recognizable, a meteorite, which are usually just rocks, creates a color, and they, and they use this fantastic hyper-purple magenta color to embody this, which is just such a great use of color just alters reality around it as it sees fit. This is a hallmark of cosmic horror. Something that should be familiar, just is altering reality to something slightly unfamiliar. And I find that quite terrifying. And maybe to understand this even deeper, let's circle back. Let's go, let's go 100% around. Let's go 360. See what we talked about and then come back and look back now. I talked about how we shouldn't analyze dreams because I think largely they're bullshit. And they don't fucking matter. But when I was a child, so let's say five, six, seven years old. Starship Troopers was one of my favorite movies. Fucking love that movie. Why I watch this movie at five, seven, six, whatever years old, you know, well, maybe that's a discussion to have with my parents. But I found the movie horrifying, which now it's hilarious and a great satire of the military-industrial complex. But I found it horrifying. Why? Well, I used to have dreams where there was an ant colony in my closet, 
But because I knew that the bugs could get us, could eat us, could chop off our legs, could cut us in half with just their mandibles, I was scared of it. Which means that I was identifying the uncanny valley between the bugs that I saw on the screen and the bugs I knew. I could easily rationalize the difference between the bugs on the screen and the bugs that I knew. But I couldn't navigate the non-fear that it would take to realize that, oh, those are fake and just non-bugs. Those are bugs that can kill us. Just, to, again, just a off of reality. Just a little tab. Just a little, just, just a little something off. And I think we'll find that this is a common theme. That anything in horror movies that actually makes us afraid is just that little, just that little, just, just a tiny bit off of reality where we can identify with it, we can understand it, we can rationalize it, we can think our way through it, but it still makes us scared. I mean, otherwise, what would a horror movie be for? We all know that it's fake. We all know that it's not real. Well, hopefully, you know, um, I'm looking at you, Blair Witch Project, I'm looking at you. And... It can't be that difficult to to actually navigate this in our heads. It can't. It just can't be. I mean, look at mannequins. Have you seen a naked mannequin recently? Have you seen a naked mannequin in person recently? Those things are fucking scary. Why? Because they're shaped as a human, they're meant to look like a human, they're meant to wear clothes as a human, yet they aren't human. In fact, you might be able to fill in the discrepancies between their features as a non-human and a human quite easily by just sitting there and looking at it. You could create a face from your memory banks and put it on a mannequin. It makes it horrifying, it makes them scary, it makes them not fun to look at. Unless you're uniquely horny, I guess, and or Dave Cook. But so this... This is something we're going to dig deeper to, I think. Especially while I look at the difference between thriller and horror. Once we begin to na navigate the minutia of genres, we're going to need this. We're going to need this uncanny valley. And we're going to use it as a way to modify or exemplify our understanding of the genre. So now... While we have the Uncanny Valley in mind, I want to talk about something also a little theoretical. And I hope that you have a deeper understanding of it as we've been talking about it. And you've probably been able to think of examples where something looks so close to a human but just fucking scared you. And we're going to do this through the lens, and I'm, I'm throwing a lot of terms at you. And a lot of things that I haven't read super recently and my understanding as they are right now of those things. So again, I really encourage you to go look these things up yourself and to do some reading for yourself. Reading is fun. I promise. So the reason the Uncanny Valley is so important is because we can use a deconstructionist method of breaking down and analyzing horror movies to apply the Uncanny Valley. Now... Deconstructionism, or post-structuralism is closely linked, is something largely thought or attributed to a man by the name of Jacques Derrida. He was a 
large proponent of often effective French philosophers. And he's something worth looking at for our understanding of metaphysics, ironically, if you're looking at the supernatural, or for your understanding of a simple word. Now, if you want to look at a simple word, I would like to direct you towards structuralism, which, as you might notice, is not post-structuralism. Structuralism came about as a turn of the 20th century in European countries as a method of thought. And more specifically, I'd like you to look at either Jacques Lacan or Levi Strauss. And even more specifically, I want you to look at how the sign and the signifier of a word relate to language. Now, you're probably saying, Alex, Vincent, you're fucking going crazy here. You're talking about signs and signifiers and theoretical bullshit, which will never apply to my horror movie watching experience. Well, I'm going to tell you you're fucking wrong. You're fucking wrong because you should look deeper into why you're scared of these things because it makes you more scared at the end of the day. When you have understanding of something and where you can point to something and break it down into the smallest Lego pieces and bits, you know, there's little two blocks of Legos, that makes you more scared of it because it becomes then something unobtainable in your consciousness. Rant over for now. So, structuralism in the sign and signifier basically says, well, a sign is, you know, like a word, and the signifier is what that word means. So, if I say tree, you think of a tree, whatever tree you want to think of. And that cultural association between the word and whatever it means influences everything we do. Post-structuralism says, yo, dog, hole up. There is something that happens between the sign and the signifier within its own relative language that fucks with meaning. And that's because I can say tree, think of a maple tree, and mean tree. Where you can hear tree and then think of a palm tree and be like, tree. So that difference is called the rupture in meaning. There is something that happens between saying, writing, or signing anything, really, and the signifier that changes fundamentally the meaning between two people, between two receptors of a sign and signifier. So at this point, you are now saying, Alex, you are fucking insane. This has nothing to do with how I watch horror movies. And I'll say, no, you're fucking insane. Fuck you. Fuck off. Go suck a whatever you want to suck, right? What this does for you as an intellectual being enables you to break down things into their constituent parts. To look at the parts and say, what does this mean? What does this mean? And what does this mean in context? It allows you... So this is nothing different than taking apart a motor and having the different parts, and having a motor-specific part, so a Yamaha or Ford or whatever the fuck you want to think of, right? They may have a specific part made by only them that can only make the motor work. And that is how the sign and signifier works in context. So when we break it down into parts, we can now look at something more effectively. It's, it's no different than looking at something under a microscope. In context, all of this is going to make sense. Now, I will put a disclaimer on here. Much like in particle physics, 
it no longer makes sense if you go too small. If you go too small, you risk losing yourself in the minutia and details that don't actually have any relevance to what you are looking at, to what you are thinking about, anything like that. It just doesn't it just doesn't click. It's not there. It's not there at all. So use this. I, I beg you, use this. Just just remember, and even if you don't remember all of the details of what I said, use it. Because looking at things in parts inevitably helps you understand the whole. And once you understand the whole, you're going to have a better view of what is happening. Once you have a better view of what is happening, you can understand what makes you scared about it. And thus, we've concluded our discussion. Well, not concluded, but perhaps postponed our discussion about the Uncanny Valley. Once you've thought about it more, return to your favorite horror movie. Dissect it in the way that I have laid before. And maybe you'll find you're not as scared of what you thought you were scared of. Maybe it's something else. And if that's the case, let me know. Because this shit is sick. Anyway, I'm Alex Vincent, and this is Quiet Screams, the podcast about what makes you scared and why it makes you scared. Have a good night.